Listener Production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. This is a podcast in which we delve into international affairs. Something that's going on in the world, we pick a topic every week together, Dr. Keith and I, and then he breaks it down for us and explains what it means and who the players are and a little bit of background about these sort of these political situations that are playing out. And he's got two PhDs, three PhDs actually, and is just very, very, very well informed. I don't think I've ever come across anyone. You could talk to Keith about anything, throw any kind of question about any situation in the world and he knows. And we're getting into, well... An interesting topic today, villagers and pillagers, doomsdayers, but we've <laughs> renamed them. Yeah. So this is an article that I've come across with Counterpunch, which is published in the United States and really talks about three groups of people. The first group we can deal with fairly quickly. So these were people who would have grown up in the 1960s. Um, these are the people who had an interest in renewable energy, permaculture, green technologies. They were talking about going back to the land, living with the aid of the Whole Earth Catalogue by Stuart Brand. That's only our older listeners will understand the reference there. So this was a group of people who just wanted to get out of the big cities like uh, Los Angeles and who would then want to go to live in communes. And that was the old mindset. A lot of those communes didn't work. Ironically, in Australia, the movement here uh, was around uh, Byron Bay. Uh, it's hard to imagine, but back in the 1960s, early 70s, land up at Byron Bay was very easy and cheap to obtain. Now, of course, uh, you've got to be a millionaire to live up there because uh, those hip- hippies who went up there certainly did well up there, and if they stayed on the land, they'd now be worth a small fortune given the, the cost of the land, which they can now get with um, their investments. So that's the old-style movement. So we can put those uh, middle-aged and elderly hippies to one side. What we're now looking at are new generations of uh, people. Some are called green survivalists in this article. That's one category. And the second category are people who have some sort of tribal affiliation. So I thought it'd be quite interesting to look at these two new groups of people uh, that are coming to the fore particularly riding on the back of concern about climate change. So I don't necessarily share their point of view. I'm not quite as pessimistic as the two groups of people, though some of the the tribal people, I've got to say, are not pessimistic. They're optimistic. It's going to be the end of the world. The Messiah is coming. So it's a different sort of mindset from what we're used to. So on the one hand, you've got this new generation of eco-villagers but uh, they are saying Mother Earth is in a critical condition. America is no longer awash in cheap energy. Economic growth has flatlined. Upward mobility has gone into reverse. And so these are people who um, just simply say, look, we're getting out of this society because this society has collapsed or is getting ready to collapse. And so the survey was done here the number of people who consider themselves survivalists has risen dramatically. Unlike most Americans, survivalists don't assume their communities won't be ravaged by pandemics or slammed by hurricanes, floods, droughts or wildfire. They anticipate a time 
when we may not find food in the supermarkets, clean water in the faucets or, I guess, pipes in Australia, electricity in the power lines, gas in the pumps, money in the ATMs, and medicine in the pharmacies and hospitals. So they're saying, look, these are different types of, of preppers. So the word prepper, again, another American ad- invention, these are people who are preparing for the end of the world. And so they're called preppers. Now, when you look at preppers, most of them are preppers who are saying, well, we've just got to sort of wait for the crisis to pass over and then we'll be ready on the other side. So they're uh, preparing to weather uh, passing disasters, not the prolonged collapse of industrial society. So they're the normal preppers. So you might see them, you know, they're the ones who carry rifles around with them, etc. They've got their own bases, but they see themselves as being preppers who are going to deal with a temporary breakdown in society. These green survivalists are saying, no, it's not going to be temporary. It's going to be in for the long haul. And another example, just with the COVID era behind us, preppers, I mean, this is on a lesser sort of scale, but of course, all the people that went to and cleaned out the shelves at the supermarket, Keith, which I'm sure you were appalled by, by the way, with all those trolleys full of toilet paper and rice and pasta, and you couldn't buy it for weeks. Yep. That's a form of prepping because they're they prepping preppies. For... And they're the traditional preppies. They're the ones who are saying eventually there will be toilet paper back on the shelves. I've just got to stock up for the next few weeks because then things will get better. The green survivalists are saying, no, once the collapse occurs, we're not going to be able to turn back the clock. We've got to be ready for the long haul of a whole new world that will open up where you won't have clean water and easy availability of food, et cetera, ever. So they're very different from the preppers that, as you say, they were the ones that we saw here in Australia, for example, who were just stockpiling. They would just said, look, we've got this temporary problem emerging. I want to get my stuff now, but then I'll look forward to things returning to normal, which, in fact, they have. But the green survivalists are saying, no, no, once things start to unravel, they will stay unraveled. There's no turning back. If you're a green survivalist, your attitude is that you've got to be in for the long haul. So you've got to then create settlements that are going to become thriving models of a future world. So completely dependent on themselves. Completely dependent on themselves, localised democracy, the reweaving of relationships, relearning the skills of our pre-industrial ancestors uh, to grow and preserve food. Now, most preppers stockpile cans of food. They're assuming they'll still be able to heat the food somehow. But the green survivalists are saying, no, you're not going to have the power ever. The power's going. You've got to learn to do your own cooking and you've got to learn to do your own growing of that food. So there's a very different sort of mindset which is now beginning to emerge in some parts of the United States. People having to learn to make clothing and tools, construct homes and workshops and generate renewable energy, recycle resources, and create a lively earth-honouring culture. And so we used to talk about pioneers who went across the United States in their wagons on the Oregon Trail. Now we talk about the bioneers, so bio, B-I-O, nears, who are committed to healing humanity's toxic relationship with the earth by integrating the wisdom of indigenous cultures with the most useful insights of science and uh, ecology. 
eco-villagers hoped to lessen the severity of the impending collapse by initiating a cooperative contraction towards more simpler, more locally resilient societies that thrive within the carrying capacity of their bioregion. So that's one group of people that we need to look at um, and keep an eye on for those people. So these are the people who are just saying that the world is going to go into a terrible state and we're going to get ready to grow our own food, etc. And there's a second group, but we may need to come back to that group later. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Suda. We're talking about the next form of doomsdayers. So doomsdayers, and like, you know, as you described before, they do carry rifles around, they stock up on all sorts of things. A lot of them actually have bunkers underground, Keith, which is another little mm. fact about them. We've done a couple of them in Sunrise where you and I used to work, <laughs> well, you still do. They are extraordinary preppers because they just, like that that sort of outlook and the, that sort of um, pessimism is, well, I mean, you're a realist, so you probably know it's going to happen, but it feels like it's a little bit premature. But anyway, we digress. Villagers and pillagers, yeah. we're talking about the new strain of them. How far are they going at the moment? How far have they gotten in this setting up their own communities that are completely self-reliant? Well, the villagers are the ones we've just described. I think I ought to say something about the pillagers as well mm. because they have really come out of that more traditional prepper society because these are the hardliners. These are the probably well on the right. Most preppers traditionally are ones who carry their own rifles and think society is going to go through a bad patch but will recover in the long term. Now, the eco-villagers are saying no. When things start to unravel, they're going to unravel big time. Their new opposite number are not the preppers who are just collecting um, cans of beans, etc. These are people, these are the new tribal groups identified in this article. And they talk about tribal survivalism. So on the one hand, you've got the eco-villagers who want to live peacefully with each other and the planet. Uh, However, you've got another group of people who are uh, experts on um, close-quarter combat, tactical gear, firearms training, kidnapping and urban guerrilla tactics, sniping, chemical weapons, incendiary materials, explosive devices and booby traps. So these are the old-fashioned preppers but taken to a longer time frame because they're saying, when society collapses, there'll be no quick return. And so you've really got to get ready to pillage on the eco-villages and steal their food. So this is the, this is the alternative viewpoint now. Now, you've got what are called the Christian tribalists, and they stress their religious identity and envisage some biblical version of apocalyptic survivalism. Others prepare to win a bloody race war or battle for national supremacy, and some believe that the survival of Western civilization is their holy crusade. Now, in this article, the argument is that you get different narratives, but basically they all agree on a coming collapse calls for tribalists to vanquish their enemies and assert their supremacy and steal the land and probably the women of the other side. <laughs> <laughs> so this this is just going back to the Middle Ages, really. They believe Western civilization is crumbling under the decadent influence of godless humanism, 
globalization, communism, race mixing, in other words, mixed marriages, multiculturalism, an excess of Jews and non-white people. Oh, wow. They encourage white Christian patriots to take up arms against the global Jewish Illuminati and purge Western civilizations of communists, eco-freaks, Muslim jihadists, and the invading mud races from inferior civilizations. So what this article is saying is that those people who just rely on mainstream media are not getting a full picture of all that's going on because the mainstream media don't cover the eco-villages very much. They might have a, you know, in the old days they up at Byron Bay they would have had pictures of naked hippies running around smoking <laughs> marijuana, but they're not really devoting much attention to this serious eco-village approach and they are certainly not spending attention looking at these faith-based tribalists who are seeing the end of a Christian civilization as they see it. So what we're seeing then is almost this clash of cultures. So make no mistake, tribal survivalists hate environmentalist greenies of all shades. They believe their tribal militias need to be armed and ready to defend their way of life from eco-terrorists, climate crazies and other green totalitarians. For them, global environmental crises like climate chaos and massive extinctions are just junk science, fake news. Uh, they believe that the UN bureaucrats, eco-liberals and New World Order totalitarians have concocted these fake threats to undermine American sovereignty. Um, so it really is quite fascinating that those of us who might rely on the mainstream media are not getting the full range of views that are out there. And so what this article is foreshadowing will be a coming collision between the eco-villagers who are trying to reinvent civilization, live in harmony with the earth and with each other, be based on localized democracy, etc., bioregion thinking rather than strict national borders. That's at one end of the spectrum. And at the other end of the spectrum, you've got these tribal survivalists with all sorts of religious, political extremist viewpoints and the clash that's going to be coming. And, of course, the article makes the warning that if things fall apart, they, you should not expect in the distant future there will be a government around to protect you. So that is the warning. So government collapses and the United States falls into these two opposing camps. So you're going to get the eco-villagers going to try to make a go on their own of trying to live the hippie version that we saw up at Byron Bay in the 60s, but long-term on one side. And on the other side, you've got something like a Mad Max civilization that is opposed to all sorts of environmental measures and they're opposed to socialism and communism and the redistribution of wealth. So this is an article which um, has appeared in Counterpunch uh, magazine in the United States by Craig Collins. I don't know much about Craig Collins, but for me it's really fascinating because it suggests that those of us who sort of focus most of our attention on the mainstream media are really missing these undercurrents of change that are out there. And we still need to pay attention to change because change often begins at the margin. And it's worth bearing in mind that we have in the United States and possibly here in Australia, for all I know, we have people who are preparing for the end of the world and they're interpreting that in, in one of two ways. One is 
an opportunity to reinvent our relationship with the earth uh, in terms of eco-villages. The alternative is to say, no, it's going to be a Mad Max civilization. Make sure you're well-armed uh, and you're skilled in all sorts of combat because you're going to have to overrun this other group. So that, they're your two gloomy scenarios on the future of the United States and possibly here in Australia as well. Well, I mean, they are quite extreme in the United States, but what you just described is relatively confronting, Keith, if that was to happen. I mean, yeah. as in, you know, properly transpire. You see, that you know, the way we went wrong with COVID last year is that we were unwilling to think about the unthinkable. If, if we had said in this program a year ago, so that's March of last year or April of last year, economies are going to close down for a year, which is what they have so far, no one would have believed us. We would have been accused of being alarmist. The British government, when they did their survey of this, the extent of the British collapse, they had to go back because the British government's got the longest consecutive run of economic statistics of any government. And they had to go back to the year 1707. That was before the Industrial Revolution, when Britain was still an agricultural society and you had the year of the Great Frost, 1707. That's uh, the only previous example of an economy collapsing so dramatically in such a short amount of time. So we were, we were caught by surprise because we were unwilling to think about the unthinkable. So I think it's something that we need to reflect on. We need to recognise there are people out there who are preparing for the end of the world. And, I mean, you know, you kind of, I think, change your mindset so you are prepared for whatever happens, right? You want to have that flexible mindset and be a realist as well but not too dramatic about everything. Um, so it's like striking a balance. But surely, like, what is it about these people that don't realise they're not going too far? You know what I mean? <laughs> well, they would say you guys are too moderate. Mm. You're just polite inner-city liberals. And we did just have COVID, so they've probably got that to rely on as well for a little bit of ammunition. Yeah. So we watch this space, Keith. Absolutely. Listener.